0: So, dude, I watched this movie on Netflix. This new movie, *The Old Guard*. Oh Charlize yeah, Ther- Charlize Theron. Charlize
1: Theron. Yeah. I've, she has I've, such
0: a cool last name, and I only recently, like, heard her pronounce it, and it's like, oh, that's so dope.
1: <laughs> Were you one of those people who was like, yeah, Charlize Theron? <laughs> yes.
0: Yep. <Yeah>. Absolutely, Theron. <laughs> and it's like Theron. It's like cool, Theron. you know.
1: Charlize Theron. It was good, though?
0: Yeah, it was uh, super good. I was very surprised by it, actually, because it was the second action movie Netflix has released this year that was just like, here, have a good movie. And it was like, oh, that was cooler than I thought it'd be. I like this one even better, though, than uh, Extraction was the last one I'm referencing. Oh, okay. I didn't even hear about that one.
1: I've heard a lot about the old guard, actually. Well, I mean, I've heard a lot of hubbub that it's good, but I actually don't know anything about it. Like, what's the general synopsis?
0: basically it's kind of like a uh netflix did like a superhero movie so huh. it's like a group of people who are impossible to kill like they're immortal i'm not giving away big spoilers this is all like yeah. first two minutes Basic plot, yeah uh they you know like it's rated r2 so when they're killed or trying to you know when they try to kill these people they like they get messed up you know mm-hmm. and uh you can't they come back and then they fuck you up and except they're all good guys so it's like they've been around for who knows how long like one guy's like from you know like the french revolution one guy's from like you know greece or something i don't even know and they (laughs) all like speak italian with each other and Charlize uh is the leader and um oh i should have written her name down the girl from if beale street could talk you know she plays like the new up-and-comer that they have to kind of recruit and that's the premise of the movie basically i mean shit goes down because it's a you know it's a movie kind of an origin movie and that origin has its own story but i won't get into that because that Mm -hmm. is spoiler territory but kiki lane yes she's excellent she's just now that i've seen her multiple genre wide thing yeah she's great i love her so yeah. This makes me excited for her future as an actress, and uh, just excited as an action movie fan. It was fun to watch. I watched it a couple times, actually. So, Hell yeah. Yeah. What have you been filling your brain with?
1: Yeah, uh, I uh, wasn't sure exactly what to talk about, uh, because mostly I've just been watching TV shows that I've already mentioned, uh, Community Scrubs, Insecure... Uh, I don't know if I've mentioned uh, Black Lady Sketch Show. That's something Eva's been watching that I've been uh, stepping in for episodes of, which is really fantastic, but uh, I haven't watched enough of it to really comment on it very much. Um, but I did want to mention a book that I've been reading, uh, which I think is very important and I want to give a signal boost for. Uh, the title of the book is White Fragility It's by Robin D'Angelo, and uh, it's... I mean, for it's helpful for anybody who's wanting to read it, uh, but it's directly aimed at uh, white people and, you know, trying to face our subconscious methods of processing race in America in general. And uh, I don't know, it's just opened a lot of doors in my head, flung wide open doors in my mind that were open like a crack, but... Uh, really has just shed a lot of light on a lot of things. Um, one thing that it really like helped me realize is the classification of white supremacy, quote-unquote, and that being classified to like hate groups, and that being a very purposeful thing in society at large to make people feel like they are separated from it. But what white supremacy is at its core is uh, the idea that white people are the standard of, like the standard human being, which is a much deeper, much harder to combat uh, concept. So, I don't know. Uh, that's just one of the things that it has helped me sort of like come to terms with and uh, helped process in my research of the events going on and trying to, you know, be a better person in uh, society today. So, I do recommend you get that book uh, and anybody else. I think
0: I'm absolutely going to get that book. Also, this gives me, or us, the opportunity to let our listeners know, try to support your local bookstores if you're looking for books that we, we haven't really recommended any books, we've recommended stuff to watch, but if you're yeah. reading, there are local bookstores that are in need of some uh, some help, if you can find a way to, you know, get some books delivered from them, or if they have a system that's safe or you feel comfortable with, uh, you know, I just find that that's always a... Better route to go than dare I speak its name. <laughs> <laughs> you know the one. There's also you know the one.
1: Uh, this has gotten a pretty big signal boost, at least in my social media circle. But uh, if you haven't heard and you're a Twin Cities resident, there's uh, an up and coming new locally owned bookstore called Black Garnet Books, which is uh, the first and only black owned bookstore in Minnesota. So, oh, wow. Uh, I mean, it, it's very troubling and probably yeah. not surprising to a lot of people that that's a fact, but, you know, that it's taken till now. But uh, they deserve your support. Absolutely. Um, so go check that out. I'll definitely put a link in the description as well as the donation links that are usually in there. I don't know how many people look at that uh, description in the episodes, but there's also donation links in every episode that I recommend you check out if you have not. Shit, I even look
0: at those links. That's my first spot I check when I'm like we're we're like Abby and I have talked about it and been like where can we donate and I'm like yeah oh check out our links we put in our <laughs> podcast yeah. it's like a really yeah, yeah. extensive list of great spots so well uh
1: without further ado we should probably get started because there's a lot to talk about this episode it's a very special holy
0: episode holy crap we got a lot to talk about
1: uh this is <laughs> a new lens podcast Welcome. Gary and I started to talk about Movies and TV that we liked as kids, media in general, as well, uh, through the new lens of adults, amateur filmmakers. Uh, I don't know, better human
0: beings, hopefully. <laughs> um, yeah, that new lens seems to kind of shift and change, and that—that's one of my favorite things about doing this podcast. Is it, yeah. it started as just amateur filmmakers, but it's become broader. Yeah. Our lens has widened. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're at about
1: 50 millimeters now. What do you think? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, also, like, um, we we continue to develop and, like, hone the uh, process of this show and the, and the idea of it. And I do want to just quick say, if you're just now joining us, um, or if you've been around a while, we're well aware that, like, the very first episode, we just kind of... Started microphones and started talking about movies, and we were going to talk about Avatar. We didn't really, you know, we honed that after recording. We honed the concept that we've got after recording that first one. So uh, if you do tell your friends about this podcast, which uh, we would very much appreciate, you know, uh, letting somebody know if they like Avatar or, you know, are a film fan, uh, let them know about this podcast. Do let them know that we're well aware the the first one or two are, you know, lower quality and... We've gotten a system
0: down. I don't know. I just uh, wanted to put that out yeah, there. Yeah, you're, you're along for a growing thing. Yeah. Uh, and on that, I am still away from my my home nest, so I am doing portable recording. If there is any difference from my end... I apologize, but Calvin seems to have been doing a pretty great job editing what I've been giving him, so I probably shouldn't even be saying nothing. (laughs) But just in case, (laughs) just in case. So, all right, let's get to uh, Spider Man. Oh my God, this This is is one of my movies growing up. Like you know how people, I had like the portable DVD player and the road trip. This was one of the DVDs I brought with me.
1: Um, I think this is the first movie I saw in theaters. I think it is. I'm not entirely sure on that because maybe I went to like a real little kid. No, oh, I know what it was. It's the first PG thirteen movie I saw in theaters. Oh wow, <laughs> and the first me too. Maybe
0: PG thirteen movie I saw at all. Um, I think I might be in the same boat as far as like being allowed to go to the movies. You know, yeah. So this was like the first
1: movie that I saw. You know, not like a kids' movie, which are films as well. You know, we that's something we I mean, talk we about talked. Like, yeah, Avatar hey. is like. Perfectly uh, valid cinema, but yeah, Sinbad, yeah. Um, but this is the first thing that's not catered specifically to kids that I saw as a kid. Uh, that let me into the world of film at large. You know what I mean? And totally. what a movie to do it with! Holy, holy cow! Shit, man!
0: <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I forgot a lot. There yeah. is okay. So. Uh, I'm just going to dive right in for... Well, do, should we do a recap of the movie? We probably should, shouldn't we? Uh, no, I mean, no. Everyone's seen I Spider-Man. So. Um, the movie I... is about Peter Parker. He becomes <laughs> Spider-Man. Shit happens. End of movie. That's the
1: movie. There's your recap. So, one of the main things that I did not realize about this movie... Or didn't register fully was the amount of just stellar acting in this movie, and dude, just just uh, uh, random appearances by actors who are now huge, Elizabeth yeah, like Banks, Octavia, Octavia Spencer. Spencer for one scene, <laughs> like,
0: and she's great in it. She hams it up. Oh, dude, yeah, I wrote multiple times throughout my notes watching this. This might be the best cast film of all time. Every single be. character is cast not just perfectly for the written character in the script, but for, mm-hmm. like, how I imagine that comic book character being in real life. Yeah. It's, like, right. both. It's, like, mm-hmm. they're they're great at acting, and they look like it. It's just crazy how good it is. And you've got some people who
1: are, like, amazing actors who have done other, like, incredibly defining roles for their career. And then you've got... Actors that I don't know anything else that they're in, but they are perfect for this role. This Absolutely. is Uncle Ben. Yep. That actor's name is Cliff Robertson, but he's Uncle Ben. <laughs> you know, he's Uncle like, Ben. You no, know, yeah. Especially but for also, you and I, because also when I saw that his name
0: was Cliff Robertson, I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Actually, like he looks he like does. a Cliff. He does Robertson, look like a Cliff. You know? <laughs> Even in his Uncle Ben like like mood and garb, he could right. still be Uncle Cliff yeah you right know? yeah but oh man
1: what a performance rosemary yeah. harris as aunt may oh she is
0: she is an aunt you know her mm-hmm. like being like scolding harry when he badmouths mary right. jane harry osborne <laughs> yeah. it's so oh, perfect man. and also her just having the look of concern on her face and her mm-hmm. sweet look of happiness and in, in yeah. the hospital bed when she's overhearing peter right. it's just all yeah. of it she's so oh. good at every moment oh mm-hmm. oh man are we gonna go through every actor because or should uh, we give them their moment in the details let's uh yeah let's let's get into the details unless you have uh, any other big picture oh i was stuff. gonna also yeah, yeah i wanted to i wanted to say i i something i didn't think about um but then i saw it in a video like recently uh, a Lindsay ellis video about movies that like address big things happening in the world while they're being produced. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man was happening mid like 2001. Yeah, right. And then right. 9/11 happened. It came out while it was being yeah, while it was being advertised. So like a lot of advertisement had the World Trade Center and like wow, they had to change a ton of shit. They had to reshoot a couple scenes and then they even added some stuff. So I kind of wow. was not really consciously thinking that the whole time, but when thing, certain things happened, I was like, oh, maybe that's, you know, why how they're handling that post 9-11, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting to think about, especially how, not to like, I don't think I can be like spoiling the end because it's just, <laughs> we're talking about the movie. Yeah. But it even ends on him perched on like the American flag, having right. brought together huh. a bunch of New Yorkers to like help him save the day. Interesting, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I think... I don't know. That's kind of a big thing that I just was like, wow, this is an interesting thing to Oh, absolutely. That I don't think a little kid would ever think about, but right. now I'm looking back like, wow, that's something to handle. Yeah. Oh, that's you know?
1: super interesting. And interesting also because this was such a like defining moment in, you know, movie history. I don't know why, but I like I was looking back over past Superhero movies, and I mean, there's a, there's a lot of big stuff. Like there's, you know, Batman movies were sort of the big thing. X Men came out in two thousand, which was pretty pretty successful. But like everyone has seen this Spider Man movie. Like mm-hmm. name, you cannot name someone you know who has not seen Sam Raimi's Spider Man, and it was. Like every kid I knew saw that movie and we talked about it and loved it. I had action figures. Pretty much every other kid I knew had had some sort of Spider Man regalia. And also paved the way for sort of, it shifted the tone of superhero movies because they were all like extremely hokey and like weirdly. Like low budget, but still like trying to do, like, you know, pow, like, you know, the 60s totally. Batman, like that sort of thing. Like or the
0: Schumacher Batman movies. Right. And then there was the,
1: the, uh, those Batman movies that took it way Tim too serious. Batman movie, The Tim Burton Batman stuff. Movies. It was like, that's getting dark with it.
0: Blade taking like a note from the Matrix. Right. Was super dark.
1: Yeah. And then this is the balance of those two where, you c- can take it seriously and it's got like real cal- character development and storyline that has depth, but not taking it like it- it's it's kitschy, a comic book, you know, it's a comic in book, real life. But
0: it's serious. But it's a comic book that makes you cry in some panels. Yeah, right. Yeah, it it's unbelievable. I there are certain moments in the movie where you very much notice the filmmaking, but it mm-hmm. makes you smile. Right. You know? Yeah. And there are times where, like, big, big acting moments are, like, on stage almost. It's like, this dude would be great on stage. But it's yeah. not in a way that, like, takes away from the movie. It, like, adds to that feeling of, holy shit, this is serious. Even though it's overacted. But it's not overacted. It's it's, it's pushed to the level that I feel elevated. most people are afraid to take it to. Elevated. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um, which I think brings us to, we have to touch on Sam Rami specifically. He, yes. this is a
0: man who just loves movies and you and can see it in his Did you know craft. that he is an avid comic book collector? Really? I mean, that he makes sense. He loves comic books too. That's fantastic. When they were t- trying to figure out who to make the movie, they were going with people like, uh, David Fincher and him. And they were, like, trying to figure out what to do. And then they found out that he had, like, 500,000 Marvel <laughs> comics or something yeah. like that. Uh-huh. And they were like, oh, you like comic books? You're into this? And he was like, yes. Yeah. And they were like, all right, yeah.
1: <laughs> um,
0: so I was watching...
1: So, I watched this on the DVD that I still have. Like, this is actually the DVD that I. Calvin um, is showing me nostalgia in a a box. There's literally, like, you can see Adams written in Sharpie on the back. Like, this is my family copy of Spider Man.
0: I'm so happy you got to. Um, That I inherited (laughs) that? Yeah, me too. I
1: swiped it uh, when we were moving out uh, the last time. But um, there's a disc two with special features. And there's like an HBO like making of Spider Man, and mostly it was like pretty. Um, I, I didn't get a whole lot from it because it was mostly just like Toby Maguire like being the like, actor yeah, sitting you know, Spider Man's totally. like he's a kid, you know, and like he's a real person. I and that's to why that. it's interesting. And then like literally forty five full seconds of a clip from the movie that I just watched, and I'm like, okay, whatever. But there was a couple cool things, and one of them was uh. Uh, Bruce Campbell in an interview and he was talking about how Sam Ramy is someone who, you know, you, you take someone who made his huge debut on a movie with $300,000 and you give him a massive movie like this. He's someone who has dedicated himself to the craft. And uh, if you look at how much he was able to do with not very much Give him all the that's the person you want to give all the materials to see what he can do with
0: it, you know. Absolutely, that's something about Sam Raimi I've always kind of known in my head, but didn't fully appreciate until this rewatch. Because yeah, there is so much going on for the budget that it had, as far as practical, digital, just like all kinds of effects and acting and how many a listers that they got. And yeah, when you because now you know when. There have been stages in my film, amateur filmmaking career of like what I think costs you know are in film, and Mm -hmm. only recently have I realized how much people cost. You Mm -hmm. don't think about that. You think about materials and time and places and permits, but the actual people doing the work. And there are some big names in this movie, yeah, all over the place. Mm -hmm. Like as far like all over the place. It's not just Sam Raimi and a few guys he knows. He like made sure to make it good you know yep so it's amazing to think about how much money he probably actually had for effects and still right how good most of them are yeah honestly okay the effects are i i I was
1: very surprised actually me
0: too i went into it hoping that it would be a thing we could talk about like how bad they were right and it wasn't it really wasn't
1: that but the special effects they're dated for sure couple but scenes, you know. There was even one scene, which was him climbing up the wall at night.
0: In a car chase? Yeah, that was yeah. really good. I,
1: especially and that's hard how much to they
0: animate people, too, you oh know? Oh, my God. I totally wrote, yes, absolutely. That whole scene was done so well, going between him being a CGI character and then, zo- like, close-up shots of his, like, eyes. In right. The, you know, so yeah. you could see that it was a real person. It mm-hmm. was... Yeah, absolutely.
1: And then the practical effects as well, like the the sets and all of that stuff and the, you know, putting people on wires is incredible. I'm so glad that that's where the money went instead of the opening sequence CGI, which is not very good.
0: <laughs> Diving into uh Very true. Very true. It it feels like they wanted to do something cool, but they didn't have much money. But they still went and went ahead and did yeah. something cool. I mean, um, it's it's the pretty music cool, but is the music good enough is makes to good. make it awesome. Yeah, that that's something I wrote down for that I might say throughout us going through the little details is like, mm. how good is this versus is the music just making this absolutely <laughs> fantastic? Because <laughs> that's, a really that's good point. how the movie starts, and I will never forget it when I pressed play and it happened, it literally sent chills down my spine. Mm-hmm. Just the one violin note. Yep. And then... Yep. <laughs> and then... All <laughs> 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 oh, the Marvel That's pages so flip. I, Danny I, Elfman. They right Danny now, Elfman. I just need to pause it and go watch the movie just by doing <laughs> that. It made me... Yeah. Yeah. This might be my favorite of his, too. Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. I mean, there and, you go. And uh, Men in Black. Men in Black. Oh, really good one. He's the man. But uh, this might be my favorite score to a movie. I always love it when a movie starts out with just a long opening credit sequence. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it's just like a superhero movie, just fully committing for like three or four minutes to show you everyone who worked hard to make it possible. Yeah. I don't know. And it still draws you in because the music is so good. Right. And I like... I don't know.
1: You don't really see movies do that much anymore. The the long intro credits, it's kind of went out of style. You see it a lot more in older movies, but this is sort of the last era that does it and especially like in superhero movies, you know, it's the last time that I feel like it made sense, but like that really went away. Like when's the last time you saw a movie in theaters that had a long intro sequence with the uh, credits at the beginning?
0: Not made by some like art house, you know, right. or like like I feel like Quentin Tarantino always does that, but like and but when even you so, say that, that's already being like okay. Well, then it's kind of an obscure, or he's sure. purposefully doing so, you know, because he does things purposefully to be like, wait, what, you know? So, but even so, it's
1: like usually you're, you're seeing the the main cast, and then like the producers, music, and director. But this is like. They went into, like, basically all the production crew, all the head production crew, costume designers and, like, all that stuff. It was, like, a full credits at the beginning. I don't know. It's, it, it's just interesting.
0: Starting out with voiceover. Mm-hmm. I think it just does it the beginning and the end, though, doesn't it? I think it's it just opens the beginning with it and the end, which it is actually it. pretty perfect. I like that. Yeah. I And it feels, you know, oh, hey, this is a comic movie. Because, you know, when you're reading a comic book, it kind of starts that way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I really feel like. I'm going to be saying that a lot throughout this little episode is that this is a comic book movie and it knows it. But it really – there's a lot of examples of that. Uh, But one thing I want to touch on is everyone is like 35. (laughs) Yeah. I mean everyone – Like these are – The bus driver – Literally when there's the shot of all of them surrounding the bus driver and it looks like a public. Tell him stop. (laughs) Yeah. It yeah, it it just looks looks like 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 he and he looks the same age as everyone surrounding him, you know? He's like a kid too, or like or they're all adults. Yeah. So that's like one of the only Okay wait things. But it's kind of it's kind of part of it too. It's kind of like the uh the first because you know that like this is the origin story and they were I would hope that the reason for choosing, like, older actors and and whatnot is because the big story that he wanted to tell or he had an idea that he wanted to tell another story would take place, like, after high school. So he couldn't, like, cast a bunch of high schoolers hoping that they would be old enough by the time he could. Or maybe... Or he just chose, you know, for talent. And back then, that meant, like, having older Mm -hmm. people audition. Because I feel like there's a lot more younger talent as time goes on. Have you noticed that, like... You know, with shows like Stranger Things and all these Netflix oh. shows, the kids get like younger and younger and they're actually like fucking fantastic actors and it's kind of infuriating. Interesting. Yeah.
1: No. Have you uh, noticed that? <laughs> yeah, I wonder how much of it is like the uh uh the forming of media and TV and stuff into like a totally ubiquitous sort of thing. Like everybody is always seeing TV and and movies like way more than in the past i don't True. know i i think that that could be an explanation like kids are seeing performances and able to like imitate that sort of thing easier or i don't know the internet is creating an easier access for kids who have a talent and can send in a video and then they're like oh shit this kid's really oh, good wow. i don't know that's a couple different. theories yeah. there for you um i think they what one of the things uh but before recording this i watched uh most of high top films on YouTube, his uh, video on this first Spider Man movie, and one of the things he points out is, it takes four minutes at the beginning of this movie to establish everything we need to know about every character. It's totally all established I, in I first four I must have form. seen
0: this video long ago because that sounds like a familiar thing that I've heard before. He's yeah. a great, uh, great YouTuber. Well, and another thing he points out which is a really good point is
1: that the plot of this movie is actually really really simple spider-man gets his powers and becomes a hero norman osborne gets uh powers and descends into villainy uh and their paths inter intercept in their arcs and then norman tries to kill peter and that's The story is just like, hero, villain, he finds him out, he tries to kill him, and that's it. And it really gives opportunity to flesh out the characters.
0: Which is another, like, the thing that makes the simple, very simple story way more complex. Because the Green Goblin isn't just... And Norman Osborn aren't just people that uh, Peter Parker slash Spider-Man wouldn't know otherwise. Mm -hmm. It's his best friend's dad who likes peter more than his own son yeah. from like the beginning of the movie yeah. like in the first four minutes i think mm-hmm. or yep at least so i wrote down that within the first 10 minutes we know who the hero and bad guy are and what their superpowers are gonna be yeah because we hear him talking about the serum when he's talking at oscorp mm-hmm. like what it's gonna do and like <laughs> You know, and we know, okay, well, that's probably what, you know, is going to happen to him. What are the side effects? It makes you murder people. (laughs) Well, I don't know about that. (laughs) Uh, And then when, like, they're in the museum for the spider museum, Mm -hmm. it seems, they uh, go through all the different characteristics of these spiders. And those are the exact things that we then later see him try out when he learns he has powers. It's, uh, yeah, like, I, I literally had to get up and pause it to be like, holy crap. I've written down so much. How long has this pat been? I posited it was like nine minutes and fifty seconds. So I was like, <laughs> yeah. whoa. Right. But yeah, and and not only I feel like one thing that this movie benefits from having that comic book format is that it can have really, really just on the nose dialogue. It can literally just yeah. go cut from Peter like trying to wave at MJ and her walking by and her friends walking by and him being embarrassed, which is like Kind of nuanced. Like, that's, like, something that could really happen. Uh But in that exact moment, it cuts into the conversations between Harry and his dad. And it's just, like, we happen to cut in there right as the conversation is this perfect, like, showing us exactly their relationship. (laughs) Yeah, And then he gets out. And then, you know, I don't know. Like, all the dialogue needs to be what it needs to be to get this movie going. Yeah. And it does. And it works. Because you feel like you're flipping through comic panels.
1: Yeah. You know? There's something uh there's something about it that just makes all of those little things work and it's all i mean we've said this like it's very comic booky but like that's like it's the little things like actually one thing i wrote down was like as they're establishing the scene of the high schoolers getting to this museum the teacher like there's this kid fucking around with a ball and he throws it right at the teacher and he just like effortlessly grabs it and goes come on man focus Which, A, that teacher looks younger by like five to eight years than everyone else. He does. He
0: literally looks like it could be a roles reversed thing.
1: Yeah. But then he just like continues talking, and it's a very like, it's almost theatrical as well. It's like a very theatricalized version.
0: You know what I mean by that? Absolutely. I know what you mean. It's very performative. And And it's something you feel while you're watching it, it's not something like uh i forgot what movie i was recently talking to my brother about but it was a movie we both don't like Mm. and it was it's a you know a movie that has very on the nose comic booky things i forgot what it was Mm. it doesn't matter because we talk about (laughs) things we like on this podcast yeah um and we were talking about the reason this movie just does it well is because it doesn't do it in like a hey, I'm doing this, or even in a, like, over, it's not, like, overt, it just flows, it happens, and and you you don't, you turn your mind off to it. They don't Uh, make too much of a thing about any one moment, yeah. I love lines, like, (laughs) Peter getting home from getting bitten by a spider, did you eat, or do you want to have a bite? No thanks, had a bite, you know, like, (laughs) there's so many lines like that that are just like, ah, you know. Like you would never know, but I love that. It um, works. This
1: is another good point to, uh, point out another bigger thing that I liked colors, the use of color in this, which is kind of ties into that, like, you know, uh, elevated aesthetic that they're going for in this movie. Peter is wearing like Spider-Man colors when he gets bit, like he's wearing a blue shirt with white and red stripes like it's those little Oh things. wow, I never noticed that. And the girl next door, Mary Jane, her whole like green sweater which is like inviting. It's like a forest green with this like, you know, purple top that she's she's usually wearing some sort of like purple pink top which yes, she's very much like a uh, 1960s uh female love interest in this movie. Like
0: but I will I would argue that she is because of Kirsten Dunst fucking awesome i i don't yeah. know i love like there are things that are done in the movie that i'm like okay that that could have been handled differently or you could set that up differently like her being like chased through an alley by a bunch of guys just really i don't like yeah. that i don't like watching it, it makes yeah. me feel kind of sick to my stomach mm-hmm. but that's not like against her as a character her as a character she's kind of like I just watched a, another Lindsay Ellis shout out video about Transformers and how Megan Fox's character is actually like the most nuanced and best character in that in that movie. Hmm. But because of how she's filmed, she's treated like an object and it makes you think, oh, so her character must be written like that when it's actually not. She's like really complex. She's like into cars and she's always talking about how, yeah, like dudes don't treat me like, you know, respectfully in the car field because I'm a girl or whatever. Yeah. But then she's still filmed like a fucking car herself. Right. It's terrible. But this, I feel like this movie faces a similar issue where the character herself, like she, she's always like, you know, when, when she's talking to Peter and he's like, it's none of my business when she says, uh, she's dating Harry and she goes, is it? And she kind of looks at him like the fuck man. Like, are you going to just balls up and talk to me here? Or are you yeah. gonna actually like, be, you know like not I don't know like she kind of I don't know I just kind of like her I like that she's she stands up for herself too like she does kind of kick a little ass in that alleyway scene you know
1: at moments like she uh she learns to do it throughout the movie I think one benefit like uh one positive thing I can say about her character which uh I was influenced in this opinion by uh, the YouTube video H- High Top Films who he's a great uh creator but um, he pointed out her arc in this movie is no one ever listening to her and basically how she has formed her life up until the beginning of this movie because of her like history of abuse uh, with her father, which is, you know, laid out very clearly in this movie. And she mm-hmm. then finds herself attracted to and matching herself up with big dickhead jock guy flash and after graduating and getting rid of him big rich guy who uh basically neither of them are really seeing her for who she is and peter is the only one who actually is seeing her even her interest in spider-man is sort of like a you know seeing a figure of power and being attracted to it sort of a, a you know a uh stockholm syndrome sort of thing um interesting and uh, it's why it's so satisfying to see her come to realize herself and in the uh, the backyard scene when Peter asks her what her plans are after college and she's super embarrassed and she's like, well, I was thinking. And she stops herself like no one's ever really listened to her or if she has said this, she's been put down for it. And she's like, I was thinking I would go out to act. And he's like, that's great. And you can see on her face he replayed that clip in the video, and oh my god, it you can see in her face that no one has ever responded to her that way before. No one has ever listened to her in that way before. Peter's the first one in her life to really be
0: doing that for her. That's really sweet. And honestly, in the moment in the hospital when he's telling her, yeah, basically he's just revealing to her how he feels through saying some story where he told spider-man what right. she what he feels right. when he looks in her eyes yeah i was like tearing up oh, based absolutely. on not what he was saying but how it affected her yeah kirsten right. dunst great performance in this movie oh yeah there are a lot of performances in this movie that get a little bit of uh they get ragged on a little on like social media i've seen like memes or whatever about toby Maguire's crying His crying or... faces oh my god i don't understand why it's such a break down yeah because that is what crying looks like that's what i look like when i cry and then the shift what what you can't get from a meme is that in that scene he shifts from being sad to being deeply sad just depressed to slow anger, yeah, and then he goes. and that's what makes that scene so good. In fact, the like
1: screen cap that people have taken is, I was watching for it because I was like, where is it And it's right there. And it's the beginning of the transition into anger and, you know, motivation from this tragedy. So his eyebrows are like even more clenched and it creates a more contorted face, but when you're watching it play out in motion, It's an incredible transition of
0: emotion. It's brilliant and affecting. Oh, my God. And uh, I I need to look up the name of the editor at some point before we finish because I'll talk about them multiple times. Because the way that this film is edited, too, they cut to the shot of Uncle Ben having passed away multiple times. But they cut to it one last time before the scene changes to him chasing this... To remind you why he's Hmm. chasing them. You know what I mean? Like he's gone. He literally runs away. But then it cuts to Uncle Ben. Like whose point of view is that? It's ours. The viewers remembering what he's running for. Hmm. And uh, there's a couple times where they cut to like there's a a moment when Willem Dafoe is talking to himself in the mirror. Which we have to talk about because it's some of the best acting I've ever seen in that scene. It's so good. It's like some Andy Serkis as Gollum. Schmiegel. Oh, the uh, original of that scene. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe not the original original. I don't know, it's probably the done, OG. Done before I feel like there it. was some inspiration taken from it yeah. though. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but there's a moment where they cut to Willem reacting to the go- goblin what he's saying. Like most of that scene is done in a cool way where you're behind mm-hmm. him while he's talking in the mirror. So you're watching him do it. Right. But then the last cut is him just shocked open mouth face while you hear the goblin through the mirror talking to him which is impossible Mm because it's himself but it's just an editing thing that they decided to do like there's a lot of or like him the little oh edited in as he's about to you know Mm -hmm. Um, lots of things like that that you know just
1: elevate it one minor detail and i don't want to like attribute willem defoe's performance to like prosthetic things but this is something i noticed Whenever the last time I watched this movie was and was watching for this time and just really like had a huge appreciation for because they don't draw any attention to it. But Willem Dafoe has not stereotypically perfect teeth. You know what I mean? Like he's got a big gap in the middle and like kind of oddly shaped teeth. Like he's a good looking dude. Absolutely. But they give him as Norman Osborn fake perfect teeth. And when he's talking to himself in the mirror, when he's Norman, he's got the teeth prosthetics. And when he's the goblin, he's got these more interesting, you know, non-conformed shaped teeth. And it helps oh add God. to his, the the shape of his face, and I've the, noticed like his goblin. hair,
0: but not the teeth. Yeah, that's so cool. And it's such a I small not detail
1: that? that makes you like that, really immerses you even more, and like makes the difference even more distinct. And you're like, why does he like? Is he really just goblinish and real? <laughs> you know, talking to himself in in these two that's shots. Amazing. And I mean, it's just a Got little thing voice, too to amplify his performance because my god what a performance
0: the thing i didn't realize when i was a kid i i always thought watching movies like especially superhero movies like how do people not recognize his voice hmm. this this time watching it i actually noticed that everyone changes their voice like even toby Maguire hmm. when he's spider-man he had, does something with his voice that makes him sound a little more like almost southern <laughs> like there was a moment where he's like see you later and i was like did he have an accent there it wasn't but it was just enough of like a throatiness that yeah, it gave it this sure. vibe of like i don't know and but willem dafoe when he's goblin he does his like "Willem i dafoe you know yeah, like really right. but <laughs> the norman osborne is a voice that i'm not used to hearing like right. the willem dafoe voice isn't there. Like he does like something to his voice for Norman, even. You know what yeah. I mean? Like for both of them. It's really cool.
1: I love as uh Norman's descent goes on and on, how you can see you can see him inhabiting more of a middle ground between those yeah. two. You know what I mean? Like the scene yeah, like when, after uh Harry sees peter and mary jane in the hospital and he yes. storms home and he hears him he laughing hears, like, upstairs laughter. and he comes up oh. and he's got like one shirt sleeve pulled up and yeah. his shirt's unbuttoned and you there's just something about his performance and the way he carries himself
0: that you're like this is That's not, not either one. norman yeah yep yeah yeah, yeah. speaking on that laughter Dude, another reason why Sam Ramey is a great pick, not only for being a total bare-bones director, Hmm. but he comes from horror. And there are some horrific things happening in this movie. Yeah, man. Uh, Like that scene. That scene is scary. Or when Willem is first looking for the goblin mask, and it's like shifting between all the masks in this house. And you hear the laughter, and you think it's about to... Or, Or the scene when Peter does finally catch up to the guy who shot Uncle Ben and he can't see he's looking for spider-man all of a sudden his face is through glass i love the shot of his gun coming down and then it zooms out as he makes his way into the room lots of great little like uh camera movements and camera workings oh that's another thing too that we were talking about in the scene leading up to that with him uh chasing after this car and then jumping on a, a wall it's really Toby running, and then it like hmm. cuts to a CGI person during mm-hmm. one of the transitions. But what they do to really elevate all of those scenes and all of the web swinging scenes is they really filmed it. It's a camera yeah. swinging through New York. Right. And going between taxis. So, like, when, oh. when the camera goes down into the cars, you feel like their are because cars you know? as they are. Yeah. yeah. And that, I think that's one of the main things that, like, elevates the Mm. some some of the weaker cgi moments before we get too far away uh
1: from your point that this is a guy who made his start in horror there was a scene in this movie that i forgot how bone chilling it is when Green go- I'm getting goosebumps just bringing it up and thinking about it. When Green Goblin smashes into Aunt May's room as she's praying Holy and the way she wails shit. deliver us and he goes finish it from evil. I like <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm got, shaking I've I've got right got now. <laughs> that shit was fucking horrifying and i forgot how i think it's also even more scary to me because of how scary it was as a
0: kid watching it and it like brought back the intensity i don't know how exactly they did that scene because it's really realistic the explosion and her being thrown back and she is like it is a character and she's probably more nimble than she plays the character but she's older. I don't yeah, know. Like, right? it still oh, yeah. is like, holy shit. She just got blown up, you know? Oh, God. And then, oh, man. Oh. And then, the, her hospital. In the hospital just the being yellow traumatized. Eyes.
1: Those horrible yellow eyes. Oh,
0: God. Even Peter's reaction to that. Yeah. Backing into the wall. He, he knows who I am. Oh, my God. Oof. Man. Oh,
1: fucking bone chilling.
0: Also speaking on Sam Raimi as a director, there are a lot of cool things, transitions, uh, flashes, Mm -hmm. just directing, like, little ideas that you know he was like, we're just going to do that. Like, (laughs) for instance, in the scene when Peter turns into Spider-Man and he's, like, passed out, rolls on the floor. Right. It, like... Flashes a skull
1: on the screen, <laughs>
0: yeah. You know, no, it so feels like just like in very evil dead. You know,
1: it's super like cartoony almost, but it also helps add to the intensity because it's like, Oh, this yeah. is a deep, like, this is something that is affecting him to his core, down to his skeleton. Yeah, it's like know? spiritual, yeah, yeah, right, yeah.
0: I don't know. And I, I love the works. cool shot of like his DNA having spiders crawling on it. Like yeah. I know that's not <laughs> right. I don't think he's saying there are spiders <laughs> in his DNA now. Hey, okay. But I, you know, it's giving you that <laughs> yeah. like idea of this is like what it feels like to him to change into Spider-Man. Right. And they even do a really good job. I don't know if they use a little bit of CGI or if they just filmed it 5 months apart, hmm. but he goes through a body change. Yeah. I he gets- yeah, I wonder and I like the change. It's not some... Spider-Man, you know, I feel like one day they're just going to make Spider-Man played by Chris Evans, you know, and like ripped. Super buff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, that's not Spider-Man. He's like kind of a scrawny teen. Mm-hmm. But they needed to do something like this because... I, the, because of the technology all the fights a lot of the web swinging they wanted to use practical effects and mm-hmm. they couldn't just have him doing crazy acrobatics right so they're like how can we show that he went through a physical fitness change yeah they just made him fit he's just yeah. like a fit dude you know i wonder how much of
1: it is prosthetics and makeup for the beforehand shot you that's know? what yeah
0: that's what i that's think what I'm, is probably because it looked really good yeah like i wouldn't i didn't notice mm-hmm. uh and now that we're talking about him being spider-man dude i looked up some imdb trivia which i suggest everyone go do because i only had a minute to look at like a few of them there are hundreds of trivia notes on imdb for this movie it's one of like damn it's one of those but one of the first ones which has like a ton of thumbs ups you know yeah the tray scene is real what so they just put a bunch of sticky stuff on the bottom of the tray so that it would stick to his hand and they did 156 (laughs) takes and it's real what there's no cgi or wiring he actually just
1: oh my god everything
0: they like they had i don't know if they had him throw them and then someone else dropped new ones but either way, <laughs> he did it 156 <laughs> times until he got it. That's incredible. Isn't that amazing? That makes me that so happy that they did that. Maybe one of the most iconic movie moments ever. Him yeah. catching her and catching the tray, stacking them. Wow, great reflexes. Wow, that's awesome. I don't know. And speaking on that, this movie is filled with moments that are in my like movie quote head. You know how I have oh, like yeah. a... Every now and then I'll be like, eh, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. This is like, there's so many moments in this movie that I'm like, oh, my God, that's where that quote is from. Yep. I definitely three am. minutes. Three minutes of playtime. Yeah. <laughs> they got Randy
1: Savage for that moment. I man. love that.
0: Yeah. I love that.
1: And they got uh, uh, Bruce Campbell. Uh, is featured in all three of the spider-man movies but this is his role yeah, with this different one. roles <laughs> and it's because bruce campbell and sam Raimi are old friends like they literally dropped out of school together to pursue filmmaking which is yep. cool when he got this opportunity he
0: knew he would give his friend that uh that little uh that little cameo i have a question for you what's that this might be an interesting thing for our listeners to hear us chat about and maybe our listeners have thoughts Maybe Tucker? You want to chime in, <laughs> in in the comments? What do you think of the natural webbing? They made the decision yeah. to stray from the classic idea that Spider-Man builds his own web shooters, and they use just webs that come out of his arms. Yeah. Um,
1: Thoughts? See, because this was my introduction to Spider-Man as a kid. So I think, there's, uh, I think there's a part of me that is just like, well, that's how Spider-Man is, because this is how I learned it, and once I learned that he makes the Webers, I was like, oh, why would they change that? I don't know, and I think the more and more I think about it, the more and more I like the idea of him building the Webers better, but I'm just thinking in the context of this movie and how long it is and what they're trying to accomplish, I just think it would have taken too much time to justify and feel natural, even though there's a lot of stuff that he kind of skips over and a feel like when he finally gets the full suit and you're like, how the fuck did he get that? But it, I, I feel like they have not spent enough time establishing. Like he's smart and he understands like Norman's. I forget exactly. At the beginning, he says, I read your, you know, whatever. I wrote a paper on your research in yada yada and norman's like and you understood it wow and that's so it's like he's smart but they haven't established him as like a tinkerer you know he
0: doesn't mess around that he's an engineer as well as a writing yeah he can write an essay on something but the fact that he can build web shooters
1: so just think about the amount of time it would take to establish that he is a tinkerer and how to work that in organically and then watching him figure out how to make these web shooters and then figure out how to use them? I don't no, know. I just I'm think realizing it would have become a little
0: cluttered. What? It's kind of similar to the, the body change. Like, yeah. him being a little bit buff isn't usual Spider-Man, but it's another way for us to show him, show us as viewers he has powers when their technology was limited. Right. This is a Spider-Man power now instead of being a mm. thing that his... Toby, or Toby, a thing that uh, <laughs> Peter Parker applies to Spider-Man. Because when I was a kid watching this, my thoughts were, oh, Spider-Man's powers are he can jump and swing webs and climb walls. Mm. I actually didn't realize he had, like, super strength and my, yeah. is super acrobatics and his bones are more dense mm-hmm. so he can handle bigger hits. Right. That stuff, you know, it's hard to portray that unless, like, nowadays they can really easily portray that with Tom Holland actually picking up a car or <laughs> right. flipping around New York with, like, crazy acrobatic moves. Yeah. They couldn't really do that, so giving him webbing as a power makes him cool, you know? It's yeah. like a way to make him cool when it's almost borderline, like, hard to make him cool. You totally. Know?
1: But they they do establish well that he is smart. One one interesting detail, I thought, when we first see after their graduation uh, him enter this incredible apartment, by the way, which as a kid, for some reason, I was always like... Uh, they got like a weird, dumpy New York apartment because there's a open metal pole. Yeah, but that's it's totally gorgeous. supplied by
0: Norman, you know? Yeah. That's totally
1: Harry and Norman's apartment that
0: Peter is allowed to live in.
1: Also, because I want a dog and my current apartment doesn't allow dogs, I've been looking at apartments and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. This apartment is gorgeous. I would kill for this apartment. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um but uh when, when especially he first... when you see how big it is sorry go yeah ahead. It's, totally it's
0: not just the entryway it's like there are rooms in this apartment
1: yeah uh when he first gets there and he tells uh harry that he just lost his job he said yeah dr connors fired me kurt connors the lizard right yep i love yep. that little Ooh. shout out little detail
0: and he be, he's gonna be a prominent character in uh spider-man's two and three he is? Yes, he is. I'm pissed that he never becomes the Lizard because he is his teacher and, like, he's a main character in Spider-Man 2. He's the guy who introduces him to Dr. Octavius. He's like, yeah, he's an old friend of mine. Uh, let me see if I can get you an interview. Yeah. It's been a while since we saw those. We might have to... Uh, well we'll we huh. might have to. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyway. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I love that. And, oh, did you know Hugh Jackman was, like in new york signed up ready to go to do a cameo as wolverine for this but then it just never legally went through so they could never do it oh they were like not allowed the studio wasn't allowed to get his jacket oh so my god but that was gonna be a thing too which i think I'm is so, so bad cool. it wasn't <laughs> i'm so glad it didn't Me too, because yeah. the movie is perfect as it is yeah. and the x-men on its own. franchise is kind of like a weird thing now that i'm glad doesn't touch this Universe, but still, it's cool, you know, that yeah. they thought of that. I think one of the most, another one of those, like, this is an iconic moment in film history mm-hmm. when he leaves school having gone through, which is also another iconic moment, him first having spider senses and the camera going through the kids in slow mo, yeah. which looked really good. Yeah. Like, the CGI fly yeah. and spitball, it looked they really looked great. Good. Yeah, I was surprised. So then he runs away from school after fighting Flash. Which, by the way, have you did you notice that the fight with Flash, like when Flash goes to punch him, he like grabs his wrist, twists it, and punches him back. And mm-hmm. then the Goblin at the parade uses that move against him. Oh, impressive! He like grabs his fist, twists it, and punches him backwards. Interesting, I didn't, isn't that crazy? Wow, yeah. Oh yeah. Would have never noticed cool. if we weren't like looking for stuff. But yeah. anyway, when he first does the wall climb, yeah. boom. Bum. Yep. Bum 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 yeah. bum. bum, bum, bum Woo! Oh, so good. Nothing has ever yeah. made me want superpowers as much as Toby <laughs> mcguire yeah. screaming while jumping from building to, like his face. Yeah. He looks so happy yeah. to just have superpowers, you know? Yeah. Nothing has ever done it as well. I don't think even a perfectly executed CGI dope sequence of whatever i don't care shazam came close that's what i like about shazam that came close with like me wanting superpowers because like a kid's reaction
1: Mm -hmm. the slow-mo in that fight scene though brings me to the use of slow-mo in this movie is actually really really good and there's actually there's a lot of it but it's always used in moments that it feels organic it's never like you know it's never like made too much of a thing out of it's just emphasizing certain things or it's either helping you feel what park what peter is feeling with his newfound spider senses or emphasizing
0: a certain moment uh i don't know levels of danger yeah absolutely and i feel like uh, the slow-mo is an aesthetic you know like Mm -hmm. a lot of slow-mo these days is for that aesthetic like this shot is really badass, so we're gonna right. elongate it. Yeah, there are those, like when he's dodging the Green Goblin's razors. But that's but to emphasize doing his it, spider abilities. It's always exactly it exactly it always he's enhances doing the that.
1: experience for us.
0: Or when the bomb blows up in his face, yeah. it's an emphasis yep. of him. I mean. That also could t- totally be him experiencing that in Spider-Sense time because right. it's so big of an explosion and so fast, he can't dodge it. So even though it's in slow-mo, he's just watching it happen. And then
1: just after that, my favorite use of slow-mo in this whole movie is when Green Goblin's just wailing on him. And every time he's punching him, he like it goes quickly, he doesn't see it coming, and then suddenly there's just the sound of it and... And then we slow-mo watch his reaction and see him as he's, like, turning away the from the pain of like it and the blood spurting, And you're like, mouth. because you know it's like, didn't see it coming, here it is. And then, all oh, pain, you know? It just oh. adds, to the, yep, absolutely. adds to the momentum of that moment. Oh, and the, the, the score has been so good throughout the entire movie. And then they cut it out for that last scene. So you're just hearing the and like the crumbling the sound the...
0: design is so good too yeah like all the punches are a mix of a comic book sound mm-hmm. and bones are crunching and right. skin is being yeah. hit like there's a little bit of it sam ram he doesn't he's not afraid to make you feel visceral you know
1: when he sprays the web at to go oh. directly between him and the green goblin and you hear this like the web against the metal and it's
0: this like kind of cable sound and yes oh i that's one of my favorite sounds ever is like the goblin trying to get through that Mm -hmm. webbing and how it sounds and it gives you an idea of the
1: texture of the webbing too
0: you know absolutely it's not just like like spider webs are it's something different Mm -hmm. it's something stronger yeah the sound and it's not just in that scene too like The shrieking woman sound that the goblin makes. Yeah, That's one of the scariest shrieks ever. Speaking of which, that scene right before that, I wrote down. It literally makes me cry every time I watch this movie, even as a kid. Hmm. Because that woman who's like my baby. Yeah. You have to save my baby. Oh. She is so good in that scene. <laughs> yeah. She makes me cry. I'm like you have to save her baby. <laughs> and I don't think he's gonna. And then when the thing explodes yeah. and she's like no. I'm like yeah. no, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. Oh man. Yeah. Rami is so good at utilizing different lenses. So like yeah. I was watching a video about Christopher Nolan and how he's very 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 do as little as possible hmm. over the shoulder shots and we'll edit it hmm. where like someone like Spielberg might do a one-er that gets the same thing done mm-hmm. and someone uh I think like Sam Raimi would do like a wide and a close-up for the emotional moment and maybe a shot of the hands mm-hmm. he's like he varies his shots mm-hmm. so like in the moments when Peter is figuring out how to do his webs it's like five or six different camera angles, but it doesn't feel like that Bohemian Rhapsody dinner table talk scene <laughs> that everyone's like, "Hey, this is edited bad." Yeah. Like it it is edited similarly where there's like a wide and then another wide to the right slightly and then a close-up and then a super close-up and then shots of his hands. Yeah. But it's all edited perfectly and it's all good shots that tell you what is needing to be told for that moment. So like him saying like Up, up and (laughs) away, web! Him doing that, we want to see him do that. That's funny. But then they cut close to his hand for like three of them. Shazam! Fly, you know, whatever. (laughs) And it's just, it makes it funny because we're like seeing his hand as if it's like his hand talking. I don't even know Mm. how to explain that, but like, and then I don't. And then sometimes we have close-ups of people's face just reacting to Spider-Man swinging by, like a shot of like a person looking up and being like Spider-Man. Yeah, It's so Rammy, you know, it doesn't feel like another director. Shazam has a moment in it where he like flies away and the camera is like on him and then backs up. And as it backs up, a woman like runs up to look at him flying away. Yeah. And I know that that is his, like David Sandberg's nod to Rammy's Spider-Man because it's such a Spider-Man shot and it happens like 50 times in this movie and every time it's awesome. Totally. Um, just like a New Yorker being pissed off, you know? <laughs> I just looked up the
1: editor for this movie. There's actually two because uh, we have to shout them out because the editing in this movie is fantastic. Um, and one of them is Arthur Coburn, who the only other thing that he, he's done I can see on his page that I recognize is The Mask, um, which I don't remember a whole lot Ooh, about. Ooh, like Jim Carrey? Yeah, yeah. Um, and the other editor is Bob Mirowski? Bob Morowski, I'm gonna say. Um, who did the editing for this one, Spider-Man two, and the Hurt Locker, which is like oh, what? one of the greatest movies ever. So like And that movie is all about editing because it's just Oh yeah. So yeah. uh yeah, I don't know. That's, wow, uh, interesting. That makes uh makes a lot. But also the, the director of photography, uh who's you know, probably a reason for a lot of those camera angle things we were just talking about and one that I want to bring up is uh Don Burgess who is the cinematographer for Forrest Gump, Contact,
0: Castaway, like some pretty big movies. Oh, he's a Zemeckis guy. Yeah. Wow. Um, that makes sense cuz a lot of this movie feels very human, like a yeah. human story, mm-hmm. and he's a very good at a good uh person for getting those shots of real people in real situations. I think... And I know that they change director of photography throughout the series, don't they? Ah, like it's a I different guy that. for two and three. We'll make f- we'll, sure. Well, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll um, maybe we'll find out.
1: Maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe we're gonna. Who knows? Who's to say? Uh, but it. I think that is a huge factor into taking Sam Raimi's like very comic book, uh, very stylized, campy. campy, yeah, campy decisions visually and utilizing them but honing them into a more um you know specific route and making them feel more organic and human um absolutely one moment that really hit me for some reason visually that i wanted to talk about there was a lot of different like really awesome moments but there's just one that i liked so much and it's when uh norman first talks to himself in the mirror and uh he turns to himself in the mirror, he's talking over the shoulder and you see him approaching the mirror and then he turns to look in his hand and he turns to the camera and it's yeah. a dolly zoom up to him that like is separating him from the mirror. So it's like it's yes. him it's him it's him and just with that move and then after it we've got different shots for him talking to the green goblin and that is How the moment you act that they separate that too. Yeah.
0: God, right. He acts that so like Holding a newspaper and not knowing he is, and then realizing it's open to the page he needs, like all of that. Mm -hmm. We mentioned the graduation. I didn't say, though, I wanted to. That graduation cap transition from like an explosion at when he he, like shoots, it's when the Green Goblin flies in and shoots down the opposing like military guys or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's just this huge explosion, which is horrifying because they're like... Oh my god! Yeah. and then it just explodes, uh-huh. and the explosion turns into graduation caps being thrown yeah. in the air. Great transition. stuff like that. There's a lot of good transitions like that, or like smoke turning into like a transition, or uh, or like that awesome. It's one of my favorite scenes it's like a montage of everyone deciding whether or not they like spider-man in new york yeah, you know right. hey dude's got eight legs <laughs> sounds kind of hot yeah right. sounds like some kind of freaky little something <laughs> you know like all these different people <laughs> right. and it's just like yeah. the camera whipping between all these and yeah. then the guy like playing music and then i right. love that it's oh done it's done so, so great. well or like a paper flying onto the screen and Uh, toby mcguire's face just being like happy that people are like Toby (laughs) putting on the mask and like jumping off just right you know it's just
1: it's funny It, it works so well though i do want to touch on you just brought up the uh where he blows up those guys in the in the bunker and i think it's interesting there's two scenes besides like the main character death of norman being killed that people die explicitly um but They make it digestible for audiences in general, but also kids, because this is, like, a more family-friendly... I know it's rated PG-13, but, like, you know, it's I think it's aimed towards families a little bit more. I agree. But there's two scenes where people explicitly die, and they're both Norman killing those fuckhead government bosses who are, like, just total dicks to him. And they justify it, firstly, because... They're awful people and you just get that from the sense of how these characters are portrayed, how they're shown, how they're acted. But also you don't really see them explicitly the first time when they're blown up in that bunker. You just see an explosion and you're like, oh man, whoa. And then the next time is like... Holy fuck when he drops yeah. the bomb on the balcony and just turns those guys to skeletons that dissolve and your immediately just
0: echo into the breeze Oh
1: my god that's so fucked up
0: Yeah it's terrifying but since it's just straight to bones right. it's almost okay Exactly you if know? there was
1: any sort of blood or flesh involved it would be way more disturbing but it's just like it's almost comic booky you
0: know Yeah also On that, just real quick, Norman's little, like, arc is really sad. Like, he, although you get the impression that he's, like, a dick of a father, too, so you almost are like, is it karma? You know, because, like, he seems like a genuinely hardworking scientist, but him cutting corners is what causes him to become the Green Goblin and kill his guy, like, his scientist friend. Which is another death that you don't even see. Right. He like throws this guy into a thing, mm-hmm. and we don't know. Does he like bleed out? Does he get electrocuted there? We don't know. We just know that he's, whatever was found dead. For yeah. all we know, you like walked up to him and broke his neck or something off screen. Right. But, <laughs> yeah. Like all the real. You're right. Like anything real is just like they're dissolved. Mm-hmm. I have two more points that I want to talk about. We could
1: talk about this movie for four hours, but uh, I have two more points, and they're both having to do with the climax of this movie. There's, like, sort of your typical action movie climax moment, and then there's the actual climax of the movie from a narrative perspective. Yeah,
0: it's like a Lord of the Rings thing.
1: Yeah. Um. So there's so many moments of, like, culmination in this movie, but I just thought it was interesting, also making it more of a family movie, a more digestible thing, that he is given the choice... Of the woman you love or a train car full of children you don't know. Innocent children. And what he chooses is both of them. And he just gets both of them. You know what I mean? I just think that's, like, he does not really have to make a hard decision in that moment. And he does... Go for her first, but he like easily swings around and gets the train car and saves them both. And it's like, that's what heroes do. But it's like, it does not face the hard decisions that you would have to as a superhero, like, realistically. You know what I mean?
0: You know, realistically, if you had superpowers. Thinking about that, you know what I think that might be? What's that? In the comics, that's a Gwen Stacy death moment. When the Goblin is like, choose. Mm -hmm. Spider-Man chooses the the kids mm-hmm. and then when he goes for gwen or it, it kind of feels like maybe that's going to happen like he's going to choose the kids and then he'll go for mary jane and maybe be too late mm-hmm. and it'll be reminiscent of that moment mm-hmm. maybe that's what they're trying to do to make fans of the comic book truly believe she's about to die huh. so him saving them both is like a satisfying like oh my god he didn't do it yeah you know that's what i mean interesting. yeah i also know that that the new yorker's like throwing stuff at him I'm pretty sure that scene was added after 9 11. Hmm. Maybe there was a different outcome. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah, huh? I wonder. I don't know. I don't even. Yeah, I don't know. Not much to speculate on because, like, what does That's that mean? Sam Ramy was going to kill a bunch of kids, or <laughs> right? I don't know. But either way, like, it could be that the ending was even changed because I've always thought that was interesting too. Like, what he does choose, although he narratively, like, with the climax of the their character growth. He has to choose to let her go. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, which is interesting. Right, kind of touching on that. That is
1: where I was going. Is the this final scene is like, real? You know, as a kid, I was always like, ah, it's so sad. Why does that have to like end sad? But it ends the way it has to to complete Peter's lesson of the movie, and like what being a hero means, like the responsibility. In a real sense, you know, not just as a quote of wisdom from his uncle, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. It's like, what does that mean? When you have a position of power, you have a responsibility to not just yourself, but everyone that it affects. And he comes Absolutely. to realize through the course of the action of the movie that his his status in the world affects the people that he loves. It's, it's really old. fucking
0: tragic. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you're a kid and you love Mary Jane and he yeah, kisses yeah. her in the end and she's saying, I love you so much. And you're like, and you're like yeah. yes, this is the best ending ever. And then she gets this look on her face like, why aren't you kissing me back? And mm-hmm. as a little kid, even I'm like, as a little kid, I was just like, what? You know, <laughs> yeah. like, what's going on? Yeah. And now, I don't know, It's it really feels a lot more... A lot less, like, tragic and a lot more, like, nice. That's what he yeah. needed to do. Right. Now that I get how the world works and what that really, what it really means. Because I think as a kid, I always was like, but why? <laughs> you know? <laughs> why? Um, yeah. I We needed, for at least one minute, mm-hmm. we need to have a J.K. Simmons minute. <laughs>
1: oh, my God. We haven't talked
0: about him. Like, <laughs> he's... J.K. He's, Simmons uh... as J. Jonah Jameson is the best casting... Of all time, I think I think you might be right. Ever. I think it might be just the best casting ever. I He's was just talking so the other day about role. how Jack Black and School of Rock is, and this blows that out of wa- out of the water times ten. Like just, he is genuinely perfect. Since just, we
1: had like kind of started wrapping things up, let's just call this the kid moment of the week. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's this is the kid moment of the week.
0: J.K. Simmons. Every single moment J.K. Simmons is on is on screen. Even and what's great about him is he's, like, a good character. He's not yeah. just cheese and ham. He, like, has a moment where he's grabbed by the goblin. Mm-hmm. Who's the photographer that takes pictures of Spider-Man. I don't, I don't know. know. He saw this picture on my You know,
1: it's like, he's a good guy. Yeah, right. But then immediately when he's saved by Spider-Man, he's I like, I knew you were working running. together. <laughs> and that is actually probably, in my opinion, the best, most natural. Because people complain about toby's spider-man not being like you know sam ramy's version not being like quippy like in the comics he's way more like cracking jokes and stuff and a that does not fit in this movie in so many circumstances it's like if he had cracked jokes it would and he does he cracks stupid lines he does when it works and it works usually but even then it's like say uh, cheese whatever yeah this is the one in my opinion that i'm always like like I don't know, I like I like it. He's like, me too. Let mom and dad talk for a minute. It feels <laughs> natural. It feels Spider Man. You like puts some
0: web on his mouth. Yeah, to shut right. him up. It's like no one shuts Jay Jonah up except for Spider Man himself. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't really talk about Harry very much, so we can kind of just wrap up this talking about his ending as a character. It's really, really interesting and complex when you think about it from his perspective. He had, like, an estranged relationship with his dad. Mm -hmm. And then once his dad becomes evil, he starts paying attention to him. Mm -hmm. So from his perspective, he finally is connecting with his father just as Spider-Man kills him. And Spider-Man is his best friend. But he doesn't know that. But his best friend also just took his girl. So he's got, like, one person who has his back. And that one person just took his girl. Or at least his girl wants that person. Mm -hmm. And he's got... Like, the one connection he was finally starting to get was just killed by Spider-Man, who's actually that person. Like, I don't know. I think that this movie does a brilliant job of being one movie, and it could have been an only one-time thing. Yeah. But it also sets up so much for Mm -hmm. really possibly, I don't know, maybe great stuff in the future. I guess we'll have to uh, see, maybe. I don't Hmm. know. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe we'll see.
1: Yeah, it's it's a great ending because it feels satisfying for the character arcs in the movie on its own, but it's also wide the fuck open for uh continuation. Um yeah, which uh they do and they do well. But it's gonna be like uh several weeks before we have any sort of many, many weeks before we have any sort of opportunity to talk about that.
0: If we do we will, if we, we, yeah, we do all right, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right
1: yeah but uh that's uh, that's about it for spider-man
0: um man great movie i'm really glad we watched it me we didn't even complain about it at all this whole time we had like a couple things that you know maybe mary jane's right the writing for her character being a movie written and directed by all men yep you know it hap it happens and please work on that hollywood (laughs) but uh other than that like this movie's pretty fucking stellar i forgot how how much it slaps. So, yeah. if you're listening and you haven't watched Spider Man in a while, because you're like, oh, I've seen it. I can just listen to this podcast. Go watch it. Seriously, you'll, go uh, watch you'll it. You'll be surprised.
1: Yeah, you'll enjoy it. Um, and if you came into this podcast going, oh, I can't wait to hear them talk about it because I think that movie's cheesy,
0: rewatch it. Rewatch it. It's a great movie. Having, Especially having listened to us. You know, because I think, yeah, I think we made enough notes as to like what the cheesiness is for. Mm-hmm. You know, well, uh, it's been nice talking to you, Calvin. I hope uh, our listeners out there enjoyed this one. Yeah, you too, Gay. I hope. Yeah, yep. <laughs> Tried to do a different, like a uh, organic ending there. It didn't work. Uh, All right, everybody. This okay. has been a new lens. Thank you very much. Fuck you. <laughs> Not actually.
1: My grandma asked how she can listen to the show, and I was like, oh, I mean, yeah, I did not keep grandma in mind while we were recording this.